Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another edition of 3 In, 3 Out. We are fired up today after a big Seahawks victory, 27-10, over what is now kind of the lowly Cardinals. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner, and I am joined today by my exceptional co-host, Brandon Schultz. Brandon, how are you doing today on a Victory Monday? Always good to get the win on a Monday. It makes doing three out, three in, three out that much better because, you know, when we win, we start with an in. We don't have to try and come up with some funky rhyme to, nope. to rhyme without. And it's just it's, it's a good morning. It's a, it is a great morning. And we did we did see some nice contributions by the flock. Right. So the uh, the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. When we knew we were having some rhyming uh, Susian type issues, they were coming back with lots of things like, you know, you make me drink uh, beer stout and things of that nature. So lots of lots of good ways to rhyme with an out. But guess what? We don't have to because we win. So we're starting with an in. So why don't we do that right now? Are you ready? You ready? You ready? Are you ready to dive in to in number one with me right now? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So for the listeners of three and three out, you know that we like to get, we like to dive down. Sometimes I think of it, Brandon, as like a TIE fighter when they're approaching the Death, the Death Star and they really got to, you know, they got to get into the canyons and they, you know, they get shooting swamp rats and all, all that jazz there. You got to get into the, the nitty gritty of how we won this game. So I like to go there right away for this first in. And this is the first time I think I mentioned this to you, maybe in, maybe in a preseason. I talked about it a little bit. I did one little uh, broadcast before the preseason while you guys were slaving away doing like 17 a week, which is fantastic for us Seahawks fans. So thank you. Um, but my first in is actually going to go to LJ Collier. I mm. liked now there was a there was just I mean, it wasn't like he played an amazing game. It wasn't like he was, you know, everywhere at all times. But I thought he made a couple of really nice plays that were that were quite important to this game. There was one early where he crashed down the line and just like, I think it was Johnson because Johnson was like one of the, basically the only guy doing anything on the Cardinals, even though he's not that good, but he crashed down the line and he stopped Johnson in his tracks earlier in the game. But then later in the game, the only thing the Cardinals were doing really successfully were those like middle screens or like, a little broken play where they'd find Johnson over the middle and, and he'd go for 30 yards because seemingly nobody was there. But later in the game, too, they tried that same thing again. But this time, Collier, like with open, with Johnson with open field, makes a lovely play, crashes down, makes a tackle, stops him in his tracks. I believe that was in, in quarter three that time. So I saw two standout plays from Collier in basically three quarters of play, like the first and third quarter. I was like, man, that dude showed up. He showed his strength. He showed his quickness, unlike in the Pittsburgh game. So I really like seeing that from Collier. You got to love that from the first round pick. And for me, he gets the first in and I was fired up about that. What about you? I know what play. I I definitely remember the play you're talking about because it was uh, about three and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. It was a second and 19. And, you know, it, it was kind of refreshing to see that other coaches also run up the middle on second and long. It's not just the Seahawks that do it. Not just and the, so yeah, David not, Johnson not just goes us, yeah. up the middle. LJ Collier comes in from the side. Uh, if if he doesn't get Johnson by the shoelaces in that moment, you know, he's probably going for 10 yards up the middle. And so you're right. It was a good showing for, for Collier. He was in for 20 snaps in this game, which worked out to about... 30% of the snaps overall on defense. So some pretty significant time on the defensive side of the ball for Collier and, and definitely good to see him show up. And that's something now that I think he can build off of as a young rookie. 
hundred percent. Loved loved it. And you know, twenty snaps, not not that much, but that's that's great. Like you said, let's build on top of that. And it was just good to see the man out there and making a couple of crucial plays. So the first in to LJ Collier. Congrats, Rook. You got it. All right, Brandon. So now over to the outside of the ledger. In games like this, where it's 27 to 10, and it really ought to, could have, should have, would have been like a 42 to 3 type game, and just is what it is. It was a comfortable victory for the most part throughout. So, you know, we're going to pick, we're going to pick on a few outs that are maybe, maybe a little bit finicky because we really did dominate this game. However, with that, the first one to me is not finicky. I thought we had a chance to like step on their throats in the second quarter and we just didn't do it. And the play that like exemplified that the most for me was at when we're sitting there at fourth and six around midfield, maybe it's like our own 45 or something like that. And then they go off sides or whatever it was encroachment. And it becomes a fourth and one, obviously at fourth and six, we're punting. Right. And then it becomes a fourth and one. And yes, we're still on our side of the ball. And yes, I know what happened last week when we tried to get, you know, be more aggressive than we maybe quote unquote normally are. But in fourth and one, we're running the ball really well. That was pretty darn evident that Carson was bound to have a day and we were blocking really, really well. And fourth and one, a chance to really just blow this game away. And we still punt the ball. I really hated that philosophically. I know it works out. I understand what happens after they punt the ball, but I thought we had a chance to put it away right then and there. Go get that first down, go kill more clock and go get some more points before the half. But we decided to punt. I hated it. It's a big out for me. What say you? I, I like being aggressive as well. And it's hard for me, though, to go back and look at the Saints game. And every time they tried to be aggressive in that game, it backfired on them. And I know a lot of times, you know, the percentages are going to work out. The, it, yes. But also the, the Saints have a much better defense, I feel like, too, than the Cardinals. Right. We were yeah. moving these dudes. So that's that was part of it for me, too. And you don't want to necessarily let them back in the game early because it was 17 three, you know, if, if for some, if, if in some case they, you don't get that, that extra yard in that situation, then they're coming back down the field. They are on your side of the field. And you know, what if they get a touchdown there and make it 17, 10 before the half, fortunately, you know, the Seahawks able to punt them down inside the five, Michael Dixon, with three punts, three of his four punts inside the 20. And uh, they got the Cardinals player to fair catch it, uh, yeah. I think, on the six <laughs> yard line. And that, that particular situation, they end up, you know, it's, they, they shut him down three and out. And that was a good stand by the defense. So I, I agree. I like the philosophy of, of stepping on their throat. I think they... The opportunity for me to do that was in the third quarter where they really struggled moving the ball. Yeah, the third quarter was basically just a struggle bus quarter, right? It got it just the, the game just became it was like lost, lost in the doldrums there. There was no no wind at anybody's backs. It became a very, very boring game for, for a quarter there before we put it away in the fourth. Now, I also think come Thursday night when the Rams are in town, I think it might be a different philosophy at that point, too. I understand. Pete being like, okay, we're going to try and pin them. We have Dixon and likely they're not going to march down the field and get any points in, in the rest of this half. It worked out exactly that way. So I can't, you know, 2020 vision, I, you know, I, I get it. But in the moment, I just wanted to step on their throats right then and put that game away before halftime. But hey, that's okay. In, in a win where, again, it was a bit of a breeze for us. 
these are the kind of outs we're going to get. So, but how about this? How about we get back to the fun side of the ledger and get back to another in? All right. So for anybody who's listened to three and three out or read the articles or anything, you know, if you're in the Seahawkers pod ring of honor, if you're listening on field goals, you know, whatever it might be already. I think anybody who knows me and knows my voice by now knows that I love, I love me some Chris Carson. I think Chris Carson is our most dynamic player. I think he's our best player on offense. And I think he absolutely sets the tone for the game. I'm not going to give this big, you know, uh, enamoring washing in for the entirety of his day. He had a great day. A lot of players had some nice days out there. However, the play, the play that really, I think you have to just focus on. There were so many where he just did these little, like little, little sidesteps, little jukes through these traps and got six, seven, eight, nine yards while he was running the ball. But the play for me is that second and nine play in the fourth quarter. He gets a little dump off screen. You think he's going for a yard or two, maybe, maybe. And he just beats the first dude and then just trucks like two other Cardinals, carries them forward. And he ends up, I think he, I think he converts against the first down there as well. I think he carries them past the sticks. Mm-hmm. To me, that was as emblematic of a play of why Chris Carson is as important to his team as I believe he is. And that I'm so happy that they trusted the man. And I'm actually really happy. It's, it's, it might be a little harsh to say that Penny wasn't healthy during this little time period. So there wasn't really this option to kind of, you know, mess with this. It was like, let's just give Carson the ball back and see if he can be who we know he is. And he was now Penny, get your butt ready for Thursday. You know, we're going to need you and we want that, that change up. And you were, very successful versus the Rams last year. But for right now, Carson gets the in and specifically that second and nine trucking was some old school football. And I loved that. I loved it. What about you? It was an important situation because the Seahawks had that delay of game penalty just to start that drive. And so they start at the 25, it pushes them back five yards to the 20 yard line. Uh, and then they get uh, they get that quick pass to DK Metcalf. I think it was his only catch in the entire day. And yep. yes, the next play, Russell goes to Carson. And I think this was the moment where, you know, in our uh, Slack group that we chat in during the show, everybody was using uh, a car and a sun emoji for whenever Carson would carry the ball. And and then at this point, we started using a truck and a sun uh, <laughs> because Carson was just bowling over dudes uh, the entire game. And that play, it, it definitely solidified it. And that was the start of that eight-minute drive to close out the game and just knowing that physical tone was set. Uh, Pete Carroll preaches all the time about finishing the game and to do it in that physical way uh, just to start that drive. It, it definitely set the tone to really finishing the game. 100%. Lo- loved every second of it. And there were some other great conversions. Uh, you know, I know, I know yesterday in your recap show uh, with Norb, you talked about that great completion, that really great catch by Luke Wilson on the yes. same drive too. I mean, that's, that's one that was like, it's right on the edge of being in for me, but if I'm going to go Carson or Luke, well, sorry, Luke, we'll talk, we'll talk about you another time. Nice job. Great, great comeback. And glad you're back in in Seattle, but you know, I'm going to give it to Carson every single time because I love him. One thing though, Clinton, that concerns me a little bit with the physical nature that Carson played in this game on Sunday night. Now there's the short week. Now you're playing the Rams on Thursday. I kind of want some of that too, but when he touches the ball 26 times, you know, we saw that in last seasons, you know, just him recovering to go to next Sunday can be tough. Now it's a short week and 
you mentioned the idea of, of Penny being ready. I am definitely concerned that we're going to need Rashad Penny in this game now after just using Carson and in in, in him playing as physically as he did in this game. And I think sometimes, you know, coaches can, can, can become easy scapegoats like last week versus the Saints. A lot of it went on, you know, a lot of it went on the coaches. Meanwhile, there were just plays that were made by players in the field that actually probably cost them the game. This one, I think the credit's got to be there to say, could they have played Penny this week? They probably could have. Will Penny be fresh and, and be ready for the Thursday night game now? I think he will be. So I think it was, I think it was um, 100% uh, calculated. I think it was a kind of a chessboard move where they believe they can get the W, really ride Carson, uh, use him that, like that workhorse, get him back on track. He did not fumble, of course, had a great day. Still use Carson a lot in the next game but really bring Penny back in nice and healthy and get that, get that great mix back. So I think it was all on purpose and I'm actually really excited to see what a healthy fresh legs Penny could do on Thursday night. And I'm just glad that, you know, we we probably could have used Carson in all three of the ends this week for the the type of game that he played. All the ends. So he he has to get one. People like Michael Paul from the, uh, from the the Seahawkers uh, pod rig of honor. You know, I know that we go back and forth a lot. I was very tempted to give all the ends to Carson. I mean, there were, (laughs) there were spin moves, there were jumps, there were receptions. There was a touchdown that was called back on a, on a legitimate hold by Disley. Let's be fair about that. But, uh, but yeah, Carson, Carson was deserving of all the ends, but he had a damn, he just, he had a damn good game. The nice part is, yes. Did he take a little bit of a, a licking? Yes. Did he give out more of a licking? I believe he did. But let me tell you who took a bigger licking. The LA Rams took a bigger licking. Goff took a bigger licking. Those dudes, how about Peters? Peters on a play where he scores on Ooh. a pick six. That dude's not playing for a number of weeks. There's no Ouch. way he's ready. No way he's ready for Thursday night. And I hope he gets healthy because, you know, we're all humans. But they're the ones who got to lick their chops. They're the ones who got to get on a plane. They're the ones with a short week in a very hostile, you know, Thunderdome environment. So listen, Carson, yeah, he took some hits. Sure. He was a beast. He'll be ready. If I'm the Rams right now, you know, I'm not sure that I'm going to be ready if I'm the Rams. And good news, I'm not the Rams because you know what? Catfish! The Rams. Okay, Brandon, so back on over to the, the unfun side, the dark side of the ledger here, the outs. So listen, I love Russ. Almost every single week you could give Russ a lot of ins and tons of credit. And the dude goes 22 for 28. He gets the touchdown. Hyper efficient as always. Does not turn the ball over. You know, he he played a very, very good game. However, this was the second week in a row where Russ missed, I'd say, at least a touchdown opportunity. In this game, I thought actually two. So in the second quarter, that first and goal, Wilson has more pretty much wide open. He just either overthrew him or threw the ball away. I wasn't sure which, which one that was, mm-hmm. but Moore was wide open for a touchdown. And then later in the second quarter, there was a third and goal where Carson, his dude just falls. He completely falls down and Wilson's trying to jam one. And I think it was back, you know, kind of back in the end zone to, to Disley again, which yep. I get it. Disley's catching all the touchdowns, but Carson's dude fell. Like he was, Carson <laughs> was wide open. So so to me, there, was, there were two opportunities here. If I'm going to say I wanted this team to put this game away and I'm going to complain about a fourth and one where we punted, well, then you know what? I've got to be consistent and say we actually had opportunities. And when we had chances to score in the red zone, we didn't capitalize as we had been throughout the year. I think we were two for four this week in the red zone, but those other opportunities were right there and Russ just missed them. So I'll give this O to Russ, this out to Russ. Hey, bottom line is we know Russ is, 
you know, the team, the entire offense runs through Russell Wilson. We get all this already, but I just thought like his vision on a couple of those plays, critical, critical red zone plays was a little off today. So I'm going to give him the out in a big win and just chalk it up and say that in a pretty easy win, you're going to have to nitpick some of these outs and this one's going to Russell Wilson. Giving an out to our quarterback in a 27 to 10 win, Clinton. And I wasn't even mad about it. I was, uh, I was thinking <laughs> a similar set of plays. And actually, my concern was this connection with Wilson and Metcalf. And mm. I like the jump ball, but these guys are not connecting on the jump ball. If I had to give it to out for just a, a, a yeah. slim reason, it's that he's throwing it too low to DK Metcalf on these jump balls because it's hitting, you know, Metcalf is six foot huge. Yeah. <laughs> That's an official measurement, people. That's it true, is. true. And, you know, with his long arms and you're throwing it and it's almost hitting the defending cornerback in the face mask. Throw the ball higher and and let's get it to Metcalf. Let him jump for it and get the touchdown. It's, I think, two games now where he's just throwing it too low on these jump passes. So I, I got two quick things right there. And number one, I, I agree. But I also think that Russ is, this is like the the ball I feel Russ has never been good at. When, yeah. when Jimmy was here, he, this is not, I just don't think he throws a particularly good fade, like a little red zone, just jump ball. Um, I, I just have never seen him do it effectively, which is weird because the dude is like pretty much like the most accurate QB in the league. Like it just, he just is probably that. Um, but he doesn't throw a good fade jump ball. It just never has throughout his career yet. You know, it's an attractive play when you got, when you got a dude six foot huge, you're going to go to it. However, I will say this too. There was the other play, not the one where he kind of threw it in, into the defender's face mask where Metcalf still had about two more yards. It was another deep, you know, kind of deep fade into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Metcalf had about two more yards to go play with before he actually should have jumped. Instead on that particular one, he jumps a little early. Wasn't even jumps early. He jumped without getting himself enough depth. And then when he jumped, it was just over his outstretched hands. If he took the other two yards that he had to him and then leapt, I think he's coming down with six in that particular one. So I think Russ was actually, I think they were kind of both at fault. I think DK had more room on one and then another one. Russ just kind of put it in the other dude's face mask. Like you said, it was, it was not in the right spot. But yeah, we're nitpicking, giving the out to Russell Wilson and a, a Another good day by him in terms of his efficiency numbers, in terms of his taking care of the football, no interceptions. You know, he he took four sacks, but a couple of those was when he was trying to climb up into the pocket and just kind of got surprised by seeing a, a linebacker there, I think. So it felt like a pretty good uh, protection day overall by the line as well. Uh, I think people giving a little bit of praise to a Fetty. I don't know if uh, he's in there for your ends uh, just to try and get him in there while you can, but uh, <laughs> I'm shaking, I'm shaking my head. No, <laughs> so no. He play, okay. He, well, he we played, can, he, we can he played, just okay. give, yeah. you know what? A Fetty can settle for credit in this game because there was the one time where he, uh, he, he gave the free man toward Russell as one of the plays yeah, I'm thinking was, of where he took okay. a sack. That was pretty, that was bad, but you know, it's only one play. So uh, Correct, congrats yeah. to Effetti and uh, congrats to uh, Russell on the overall good game. I know we're picking nits, but yep, you know yep. what? Let's come back from the break, Clinton. Let's give out the final in of this game. All right, let's do it. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Brandon, we are back from the break and we are back. We are back on the brink. This is the final in of a 27 to 10 smothering of the Cardinals. Again, again, a game that could have been 42 to three or something like that. But hey, there was another player, another young player for me, Brandon, that that stood out. And again, he's not there throughout the entire game. And again, I do feel the defense was kind of the reason we 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 won this game and won it fairly easily. Obviously, you got the clowny play. You got Ansa getting a sack late. But to me, one of the most athletic plays of the entire day, and the in goes to Rasheem Green. That sack on Murray was super impressive. Murray is quite elusive. Murray is like as elusive in, in some ways as Russ was in like 2012, 2013. Russ is getting savvier. Russ is kind of like a pitcher who used to throw 99 miles per hour and now throws like 95. So he's got to throw more sliders, got to throw more junk, has to learn how to do things a bit differently. Murray just ain't there yet. Murray throws 101 and he wants to, you know, run around the backfield. So he gets, so Green is chasing him down and, and Murray is trying to do a little, little hokey doke and juke. Green stays with him the entire way. It's a huge sack. It kills all the momentum. And uh, it's kind of a co a co-in for me. The reason I felt that Green was able to, you know, get there and get home, great athletic play, but I believe it was also KJ Wright that was on it from Jump Street. I think it was David Johnson coming out of the backfield. That play was clearly meant to be another dump off to Johnson. He's smothered. Murray's got nowhere to go. And then Green makes a hyper athletic play to tackle him, you know, for a huge, huge sack. And I thought that was really cool to see because you got to remember how young Green is. Green is green, right? What is he, 20, 21 years old at this point? He's a super young dude. That was a big in for me. I love seeing that sack and seeing that athleticism. Yeah, Rasheem Green, 22 years old. And he's just, yeah, he's he's still, yeah, like you said, green. <laughs> and yeah. he gets 39 snaps in this game, which is, you know, 62% of the snaps. So interesting to see him playing so heavily. Uh, in this game against the Cardinals. He just has the one tackle, but it's that tackle that's that sack for an eight-yard loss that it was impactful in the game, and it did show so much athleticism because there were times where, you know, Clowney had a chance to get to Kyler Murray, and and he slips through the arms. You know, there were other guys that, you know, it, it felt like they were just right there, and... That was a play. If Rasheem Green doesn't make the sack in that particular play, you go, yeah, big man. That's that's a tough play for for him to make. You, but credit to him for at least you know give, getting some pressure on Murray. But no, for him to take down Kyler Murray in that position, uh, yeah, huge ups to him. Yeah, I and mean, you mentioned it too. Like even the first the first drive of the game, Clowney had a hand on Murray's shoulder. Like great, you know. A, Blew through the line. He was, he was, you know, uh, it's funny for me too. Clowney seems to be potentially more explosive in the first half of games. Sometimes it's mm. kind of a pattern I'm seeing where he's just, he's in the backfield more. Maybe they're doing different things in the second half. Very, very possible, but he just seems to be more disruptive in the first half. But that first drive of the game, I thought Clowney was going to get a big sack and then, and Murray slipped through. So all the more reason that green gets this for me for us. And, uh, you know, just a, just a big in, I will say too, I had a bunch of other things that could be out there. I love the Luke Wilson catch. We talked about that earlier. I love some of the trap blocking, man. We saw, we saw you potty just mauling people and just saw just big enough holes for Carson to, to scoot through so he could have the kind of day he had. So love some of the trap blocking we saw. And we mentioned the pass pro earlier, you know, whether it's a Fetty or not, but the pass pro for the most part, Russ had some time. He had, 
he had like ample time more than he's had all season to really survey and, and unload where he wanted to go, whether it's the, you know, the, the first look, second look, third look, or some check down. So that, that those are all super positive overall. They played a really, I think a really sound game with that. Why don't we get over to the last out, put a bow on it and get ready for some Thursday night football. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. So continuing on the nitpicky outs, you mentioned Dixon earlier. You mentioned Dixon and it was like three or four of this and like within the 20 and all that. But I'm going to give, just come out and say that it's, this is kind of a cumulative out. I didn't think Dixon was all that good. He did get a, he, I thought he got helped by a guy fair catching the ball at the five. Now maybe that ball does some Dixon things and spins and stops at the two. We'll never know. Doesn't matter. The dude fair caught the ball at the five for some godforsaken reason. But you know, thank you. We'll take it. But there was other times, and then specifically there was that punt in the third quarter where I think he had like a net. It was early too. I think it was like a net forty yard punt, and it's just like I I know we got um you know we got used to an all pro dude who would boom the ball fifty five yards with substantial hang time every single time, and then get the ball like to just go sideways to, to make a, a 90 degree right turn or left turn within the five yard line last year. But I don't feel like he's anywhere near there now, you know, through a quarter of this season. So it's a bit of a cumulative out for me, but also I got to ask you, does his form look different? Does he look like he's really kind of rushing his, his follow through and he's not, he's just not extending as much. He just seems like a different even look to me. And I wondered if you, if you saw anything different on film, compared to last year's just like just his overall form and his follow through and his punts. Well, Dixon definitely has a shorter follow through than any other punters in the NFL. And so it it does look different when you watch him punt, but I think you're right. It does look like he's, and maybe it goes back to, was it the first game where he had a punt blocked or nearly blocked? And I just, I have to wonder if that might be in his head a little bit as if, if he's thinking that he's not quite getting the protection that he, that he did last year, or he's you know, concerned about it in some sort of way, because it does look like he's, it, it looks different to me too. And I'm not a punting guru to be able to really point my finger. And, and, I, I was told, I was told you are a punting guru. I thought that was part no, of your, I'm your, no punting guru. Oh, you're not. A, okay. I got that wrong. My bad. My bad. I can even see on a day where three of his four punts are inside the 20, you you go, yeah, I I do expect better because, you know, one was, I think, right on the 20. Um, And the other couple ones were fair catches and they were kind of short fields. You know, his punting average uh, was just right a little over 40. In other games, you see him kind of more toward a 50 type average and season wide, you know, it's, it's closer toward the the 50 range. So on a day where we're having to really look for outs, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll take Dixon as the out on this one. <laughs> so I, I grew up as a Sonics fan, as a super Sonics fan. And I, again, growing up in Lo- I grew up on long Island for those that don't know. So I was a Seahawks fan and a super Sonics fan. And it was always fun. And a Mets fan. And, and, and a Met, the Mets had a good year too. So let's go Mets go. Uh, but so thank you. Thank you. We'll take the, the 53 home runs by Alonzo, you know, setting a rookie record and, and give it, give a shout out to Pete Alonzo. Very happy about that. But, you know, growing up as a supersonics fan, I would always look at the box score the next day. And I could tell you if they won the game before looking at the finals, if Sean Kemp was like 18 points, 12 rebounds, they won that game. If Sean Kemp was like, 
27 points, they lost that game mm. every single time. It was just like, you know, when Kemp was at his best for the team, he was like 18 and 11. I have no idea where I was going with this. <laughs> I 100%. I thought you were going to tie it back in with Michael Dixon. It was going to yeah, be yeah. like a, some kind of yeah. brilliant transition yeah, that, there, there, that there you can something. able, you're now able to diagnose Seahawks wins by Michael Dixon punts. And I, I that would have been amazing. <laughs> there, there was, there was something there. I have zero recollection of where I was going with this, except for that. I friggin' love Sean Kemp. So when we do have a, a nitpicky day, Here's a deal. If, if we, oh, I think I think I remember now. I think I do remember where we were at. <laughs> what what I'm saying is what I, the correlation here is that if we're doing three in three out and we're talking about a punter not being as good as the punter could have been, that means we won the game. Just like when Kemp is 18 and 11, they won the game. So if we're nitpicking on Dixon for a little bit, Seattle won, and that's a good thing. You know what else is a good thing? When we get some contributions from our members of the flock on our three and three outs. Oh, absolutely. Brandon, it is my favorite thing. So the, from the flock section is all about getting the ins and getting the outs from anybody following us on Twitter, hashtagging it three, I three O and very often folks from the Seahawkers pod ring of honor chiming in with things. And it's either on the Slack channel or on the Facebook page and having a good time with it. So I'm going to start with an in from Lisa in Seattle, which of course, Lisa Carlson I love this one because, because I love Chris Carson. She says, in the faith that Pete and Russ showed in Carson and basically giving him the ball and letting him be the man. That's Lisa's big in. And Lisa, I could not agree more. I got an in here from Hector Mark. And I believe he says, such a solid drive, definitely an in. And I think what Hector's referring to is that opening Seahawks drive where they drive down the field. Now they don't get the touchdown, but... Seeing, we're so accustomed to seeing slow starts by the Seahawks, and they drive down the field, they get inside the red zone, usually that means they're getting a touchdown, but uh, they get the field goal, but at least they get points up on the board after the missed field goal by the Cardinals, and start the game in a positive way, not behind the other team like it has been in the past. So for that first drive, Seahawks getting points, and, and showing they can drive down the field, they get the end. Okay, we got a couple of outs from uh, from Hong Kong Hawk Dave Bloomquist, and you know he had a he had a bunch of nice ins as well. We all did, but we got we got to talk about both sides of this. So one of Bloomy's outs is what you discussed earlier, Brendan. He's calling out the kind of the misconnection right now between between Russell and DK, and he's wanting to see more of that. So he's also on the same wavelength as you are. One more out from Bloomy. He's saying he got a little bored during this game, Brandon. You know, he's, he's hanging out in Hong Kong. He's got that beautiful sky rise to look at. It's, it's just unbelievable things happening. And yet he said he was, you know, by the third quarter, he was like, he was looking for something to happen in that third quarter to bring back the passion. But instead he kind of just had a kind of just, you know, in a mole through the third quarter and we closed the game out nicely. Like we talked about. So, so Bloomy got bored, which is, we don't want our people to be bored, do we? <laughs> My wife napped out the, the entire third quarter, I think. So, and, and she didn't miss anything. So it's uh, uh, a smart move. That's, that's a good move. Yeah. It was a good move by her because like I said, she gets the nap in right before dinner time, doesn't miss anything in the game, able to, you know, wake up and then be refreshed for the win in the fourth quarter. So I, I have to say maybe a, just a good move by her, a good veteran move <laughs> to, to know when to nap it out during the game. And my out uh, comes from Tim Moon, who he he picked on the refs and the penalties a little bit in this one. And I know the exact moments that yep. he's thinking of because 
there was a play that Tedrick Thompson made where the wide receiver comes over the middle. Tedrick's in position. He's going to make the hit. If the receiver holds onto the ball, he's making a great play. He's going in yeah. with his shoulder. He's not head hunting. And he was just in the perfect position for it. He gets called for the unnecessary roughness on that particular play. But I'll balance this out, too, by saying I don't like the call on Russell Wilson getting hit in the with the hand in the helmet on the follow-through with the, the Arizona defender coming up the middle and trying to swat at the football. That has always bothered me. I knew that they were going to call it in that particular moment because just that's the way that refs call it. But I would rather see those two plays stay as football plays in football. And I, I know there's room for safety in the game, but those two plays aren't ones that I want to give up as a fan. 100% with you on that. I mean, what's Tedrick supposed to do? Just like wait till the guy maybe catches it and then decide. I mean, you're, you're in motion, right? You're, it's it's like you have to make a decision as an athlete. And like you said, his head's to the side, leading with the shoulder, and he puts a puts a licket on a guy. You know what? How about Murray doesn't, doesn't lay his own receiver out? How about throwing a 15-yard flag on Murray for being not good enough to... <laughs> You know, not not put his receiver in some some serious danger. That's where the flag should be. And yeah, I'm with you too. Anything's hands to the face like that. If a hand's coming down on a helmet, guess who hurts more? The hand hurts more. I, I, I get the idea, but it's not helmet to helmet. It's a dude's forearm in his hand. Plus, he's trying to block a ball. I'm totally with you. In general, the NFL has definitely gotten softer. I think everybody recognizes that. And that's why we got the XFL coming next year. And we got what, the Seattle Vipers. So go Vipers, right? You know, if Christian Kirk catches that ball and Tedrick Thompson hesitates, then that could be a touchdown for the Cardinals. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I, I definitely would rather have that play stay in the game, you know, especially if they're going to do it cleanly and there's no helmet contact, that type of thing. hundred percent. And I do. So I do have a nice in here from Daniel Weinholz. He wrote up a nice, actually a nice big ledger for us. But one in particular that he put right at the top, which we didn't talk about at all, but I agree with is that again, we're seeing Shaq Griffin just kind of ball out. Shaq Griffin looks very athletic. He looks insanely quick. There are a couple of plays where I think he's either on Kirk and Kirk is doing like a little, little dive in and he's just breaking on the ball so well with such great vision right now. So I really like that, that in from Daniel. I think that's a great contribution. Yeah. In fact, I'm kind of mad at you that, that Shaq Griffin didn't get one of the official ends. But, you know, when when it's a game like this, when it's a 27 to 10 victory, I know you got to make the cut somewhere. Maybe he was number four on the list, uh, but a great game by Shaq Griffin. I think when we haven't seen corners really throughout the league making plays on the football because you don't want to get the flag. He was making plays on the ball and, and looking good doing it. 100%. And for the record, he was on the ledger. He just didn't make the final cut. It's, it's That's right. what I, I mean. I'm, 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 I'm just a little mad that he didn't make the final cut, but because it was probably, it was top five for me for sure. Oh, I understood. But there's only three. So what yes. are you going to do? Um, <laughs> here's another one. And I think this is a good one to close it out with Clinton. Flocktimus Prime coming in with the in breaking the field goal curse. You know, they, they, Jason Myers connects on his field goals, no fumbles, uh, no fumbles that they gave up to the other team. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson had a couple where he got the ball slapped out of his hand in the pocket, but yeah, no fumbles by Carson. And most importantly, the Seahawks get out of Arizona without any career ending injuries, which is nice. It's not an Indian or native American burial ground. Like we thought it might have been. We thought there was some poltergeist type things going on there. And clearly it was just coincidences and not some 
long-lasting curse. That's a big, big in from Floctimus. I'm with you 100%. And I agree. That's that's the one to end it on. And with that... There's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>